Welcome to the MLS Net Boys Show. Back at it again, post MLS Cup 2023. This is your host. I'm Jacob, and I'm joined by. My name is Chase, and that was very fitting to have the most insane can open for like the last episode of the season. <laughs> there was like. <laughs> Sounded like you were opening like an airplane door while you were flying or something. <laughs> there was like, like mist like coming out of it. Did you see that? Yeah. He just cracked open a nitro vanilla Pepsi or something, and that thing, that sounded insane. I kind of liked that. Might just have to stock up on those for next year. I don't even care for the taste, but I just got them because I saw a guy in saw a guy in TikTok who makes like milkshake. Or like floats and like milkshakes and just different. Stuff like that. But we've got important stuff to talk about today. What's that? Ethan Finley's contract extension <laughs> or some of the roster moves in the league? Um... I don't know. I, I got to check what the most obscure roster move in the league is or contract <laughs> extension. I'll get back to you. Amro Tarek getting declined by Austin for another season. I actually don't know if that's true, but it just sounds like it would happen. I think he did get declined, but I mean, can you <laughs> can you blame him after that after all-time moment? Fire a missile into your own goal from five yards away. It's kind of hard to keep your job. And I'm going to bring it up again, but the fact that that giant tree is just sitting in the stadium, I don't care how many times I've pointed that out. We need to watch that clip again after this. We need to yep. go back over that. A uh, few big... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into the moves actually after, because there's a couple... Uh, in off-season, you know, roster moves yeah. I would like to yeah. cover. But the big news, though, that I guess we should probably get into that most people already know, Columbus Crew, MLS Cup champions, absolutely legendary season from them. I mean, there, there's so many great things they've done. I've talked about them a lot. I I, I picked them to win the whole thing from the start of the bracket. Um, but they went in convincing fashion against LAFC, two to one, um, dominating possession, sixty-two percent possession to LAFC's thirty-eight uh, percent. We actually watched this game together. What What are your takeaways from this? Like, doesn't have to be just the game, but overall. Honestly, the most dominant, like one-sided final I can remember, um, and obviously LAFC scored. We've seen bigger like score lines. But LAFC just did not have a chance. The only two I can think of in recent years that maybe come within distance of this is actually, ironically, Columbus in 2020 beating Seattle 3-0, um, and then Atlanta beating Portland in uh, 2018. Yeah, yeah but I agree. this one was like on a different level, it felt like. just LAFC just didn't have a, any threat or answer to Columbus at all. And I think part of that came down to the, the clash of the styles that we saw. Steve Terundolo just destroying this LAFC team and turning them into like a just counterattacking, play against the ball kind of style. Hanging out with Gio Savarese. And then uh, on the other hand, you have Wilfred Nance, who's just sticks to his guns, knows that his team's capable of winning, 
Um, I mean, there's been that quote going around of him saying, um, nothing is impossible or impossible is an opinion or something like that. Um, I mean, even at the end of the game, we were watching it like they're up 2-1. They're hanging on to their lead. LAFC is starting to get a little bit of possession, and they'll clear the ball, and he's like yelling at his team to get into the other half and press the ball and, and put pressure on them, not to sit in like most teams would and you know just kind of play for the, the final whistle. So really, really impressive for him to completely change this team. I mean, when he took over, I mean, they weren't in a bad spot, but it's a big ask to change the whole culture of a club. And then in your first season there to win the cup with a huge culture change like that is it's really impressive. It's it's, it was amazing to watch throughout the season. Yeah, I agree. And the Columbus, like what they've done starts like at the last off season, honestly. And it was a thing where I feel like, this team took a bit to gel. Like it wasn't like they started the season and were like this unbeatable team the entire year, like playing like they were now. It took some time, like like any good thing, right? But they stuck with it. They they utilized to the best of any MLS team, their next pro team, and they got out. They they went and fired Caleb Porter, which probably was the right move, but there was probably a lot of other teams would have given him longer of a leash. He had just won MLS Cup two seasons before. Um, but then they do that. They get Wilfred Nance, highly touted younger coach. Um, then all sorts of different moves, like Eloy Room, legendary keeper for them. They take, an, they take a gamble on Patrick Schulte from their next, crew, their next uh, pro team. And he ends up winning the job and they sell their normal keeper, right? Stuff like that that Columbus is doing is just next level. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, and to go along with that, I think this is the first time I've ever seen an MLS team go and buy another team's coach. We've never really seen teams be that ambitious. I mean, they'll swoop up other coaches at the end of their contract, something like that. But to go to Montreal... And to say, hey, I mean, I don't remember, I don't know what the fee was, but to say, hey, we'll buy out the rest of his contract so that he can come be our coach. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just the vision that their front office has. Obviously, they felt like Wilfred Nance kind of fit in with that. And uh, clearly it worked. But I, I've just never seen an MLS team be that ambitious. And it really paid off for them to have a top-down vision like that and put trust in the guy that you bring in to let him, you know, kind of take control of this team and build a culture that obviously Tim Bezbachenko and, and other people in the organization, you know, kind of agreed with. It's really amazing to me too. The whole chain of events that had to happen for him to make it to Columbus. So flashback to the 2020 off season or the off season leading into the 2020 MLS season. So, Montreal hires Thierry Henry as their head coach. It was like a flashy move. He wasn't like a super successful coach, obviously, but a big name. And this was right before the COVID pandemic. They had they had Remy Gard for a while at Montreal. We talked about how they just cycle through coaches, right? But 
They get Henri. He stays there for one season. Didn't have like a terrible, terrible year, but not really a great year. He ends up leaving due to the COVID pandemic, and he wanted to be closer to home. It was closer often. to Kate Abdo. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Um, pretty much he it was off the field reasons. Montreal would have kept him there. And then they give Wilfred Nance a shot. This guy who's on the staff in the organization, you know, a lot of teams when they do that, it gets criticized by the fans because they're like, oh, this is just a cheap move. Anybody yeah. can do this. They don't want to spend money. But it panned out. Montreal was amazing that year. 2021, 2022, there was a lot of improvement. His record at Montreal, his win percentage was 46.84%, which for a crap team like Montreal is pretty good. Almost yeah. won the Shield the previous season. And I was reading a little bit. So Wilfred Nance in the 2022 season and Montreal's owner, Joey Saputo, they got into a verbal altercation that I had heard before. What I didn't know was it happened in the summer, actually, and Saputo was, like, frustrated that Nancy lost to Sporting Kansas City because they were a bottom-of-the-table team. And after, like, that specific argument, Nancy wanted to leave the team immediately. Mm. But then changed his mind. He had a meeting with his players. They finished out that season, that amazing year that Montreal had. And then his contract option was triggered because of how successful he was he had a clause in his contract <laughs> and then he got bought out by Columbus right yeah but there was some friction there and it makes you wonder like Henri hadn't left so early like Caleb Porter got one or two more points the year before and he was still under contract at crew like how different this season could have gone for Columbus but credit to them they they had a weird hand dealt to them a you know an opportunity and they they took it yeah and i mean that's it's true of most successful teams in the league and most you know periods of dominance is it comes from like all the stars lining up at the right time at the right moment and then having the people in those positions of power to make that decision um when those moments align and that's what happened with columbus i mean like you said, there's all these other things, like these dominoes that had to fall for Wilfred Nance to be in the position he was. Um, you know, maybe if that argument never happened, he would have stayed in Montreal. He would have been happy and content there and wouldn't have, you know, even looked twice at an offer from Columbus. So it just everything lined up perfectly. And then Tim Bezbachenko and, you know, that front office just to strike while the iron is hot, make that move, have that confidence to to put the money in there and bring him in and then immediately see the rewards like one season in and they've already look like a pretty unstoppable power in MLS. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this roster changes throughout next year. If they're going to be able to keep on to some of these like role players, like a Christian Ramirez, a Julian Gressel, some of these other guys that may want to pay increase. But just the core of that team looks so strong, and they're at least going to be able to hold on to all those guys for another two years. Like, Nagby still has another year or two left in him. Cucho, I mean, maybe they sell him back to Europe, but I, nobody's really worried about Columbus's talent identification. They'll be able to find somebody else. Diego Rossi's just got there. He's still, you know, kind of getting bedded into the club. 
they they just have so many good core pieces there that I could see them being, you know, shield contenders next year, top two, three in the East next year. Totally. And they, they did a lot of work as other than we mentioned Schulte taking over for Eloy room, but this off season, uh, before the start of the season, the primary transfer window, they let go Artur, one of their better midfielders, Derek Etienne Jr. scored in the 2020 MLS Cup for them. Jonathan Mensa was their captain in 2020 when they won the championship. Uh, Pedro Santos, solid, you know, left back slash winger for them. That's a lot of like high level pieces for them that left. They brought in uh, Malte Odmanson, who's like unsung hero for them in that cup run. In this cup run honestly didn't really get him for that much from nycfc like just smart business yeah he was pretty cheap i believe i i don't remember what the number was on that i know it was under a million i mean it was i want to say it was like 600 gam if all conditions were met yeah right they get christian ramirez the biggest one though is has got to be letting lucas zellerion like leave the team and he was still performing at a really high level but this FO knew what they had to do to kind of reach the next level. Yeah. And to have that extra piece. And you mentioned this when we were watching. He fit Diego Rossi, who they brought in, fits the system a lot better. And how many teams just don't move on for their from their players? Like, just that little bit too extra, right? Columbus isn't that team. Don't say it. I know what you're thinking <laughs> of. <laughs> I mean, Timbers and their DP spots for the past three years. Um, but yeah, no, we talked about this during the game. Their choice to let go of Lucas Delarion couldn't have been better timed. I mean, he he was good for them for the first half of the season that he was here. He was still contributing, but at the moment that really highlights it is their game against Cincinnati. Um, there's a breakaway. I think it was after like a corner or like a like a misplaced set piece. I mean. Columbus in that game gave away so many poor, poorly executed set piece plays. Um, and then going down the other end, it's like Cincinnati's on a breakaway. They have Aaron Bupenza going. Everybody's kind of like rushing back. And you see like Diego Rossi puts in like a 60 yard sprint to get back. I don't know if he, I don't remember if he wins the ball or if he, you know, cuts down a passing lane or whatever it is. But that's the difference between him and Lucas Zillarion. Because Zillarion, you already know would have been still up in the opponent's goal box, just like walking back, like mad that the goal, like the ball wasn't like put in correctly or, you know, he wouldn't have been making that same run back. It's not just not the same type of player. Diego Rossi is that guy that, I mean, he has the technical ability. He's good at dribbling. He fits, you know, checks all those boxes, but he has that different mentality and that different, you know, kind of grind like that, uh, grit to him, you know? So it's just, just a huge yet again like another huge move for this front office and a really good move for them that i think probably would the playoffs may have gone differently if they didn't have diego rossi there interesting to think about how they would have fared if you know a move like that didn't go through um because i don't know it, it is the popular thing right to go to saudi go to these overseas leagues right now but you have to replace those players, right? Like Giovinco, Toronto FC. They He goes to Saudi. They don't have an adequate replacement. They signed Pozuelo, who won MVP, 
but for what that team needed, that team wasn't properly replaced, right? And yeah, the important thing is that LAFC lost. I said it before we started recording. It felt like the heroes won and the villains lost. Felt like I was watching a Disney or like a Star Wars movie, or like you just you didn't want the villains to come out on top. And who was was anybody rooting for LAFC? Unless you're, in, it's like just people who are LAFC fans and Cincinnati fans were rooting for them. Right. That's what I was thinking. Because they don't even have, like, it'd be different if it was, like, a Miami, because they're almost kind of like a villain of the league in a way. for Not necessarily. But if they had, like, a star player, like a Messi, like a, you know, somebody like that, that some random casual could look and be like, oh, that guy's on LAFC. I'm going to root for them. They don't really have that other than Carlos Vela, who I think most people who are just tuning into an MLS game probably wouldn't root just for him. You underestimate the pull of Carlitos. <laughs> and I'm just kidding. You know what's distracting right now? You got an Austin FC kit just <laughs> staring. What's wrong with that, man? It, it's it's fresh. I, I respect it, but it's well, funny. You know, like my mint green Austin FC kit? Love the kit. Love Austin, honestly. It's just funny you're, you're praising Columbus crew when <laughs> that was the team that pretty much replaced them in a different timeline. <laughs> Very true, very true. But, I mean, we so we've, we've kind of talked about Columbus, but what what about, I mean, there isn't too much to say about LAFC in this game. They seemed like they weren't up for it. Like, it just wasn't their day. They didn't get the roll of the ball. Was Like, it wasn't going their way. Their attacks didn't really amount to much. And I have to say, like, I feel like it primarily comes down to their style of play. Because, I mean, Columbus is so good with the ball and they create so many issues so if you sit back and you give them the ball you're just going to put yourself under pressure and LAFC is very well equipped to deal with that I mean having two stud center backs and Mario and then Chiellini to kind of guide your team and, and clean up a lot of the mess I mean you see it with their match ratings they were the two highest rated players um, for LAFC I, I mean you can depend on those guys all you want but you're still going to have Ryan Hollingshead just drawn out of position and then give away a second goal. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that that's where I feel like LAFC went wrong, but what what's next for them? I mean, they, they played the most amount of games any MLS team has ever played this year, and they pulled a Philly and lost every competition they played in. <laughs> they were in seven competitions, if I'm believing that right. MLS, regular season. U.S. Open Cup, Champions League, Leagues Cup, Campeones Cup, and then MLS Cup Playoffs, and maybe it was six. Maybe it's six competitions. Either way, crazy amount. Has to be said, with the Champions, CONCACAF Champions League, they're the first ever MLS team to lose both home and away to a Mexican team in the final. Um... This team just ran out of gas, and I think a lot of people have pointed this out. You just mentioned they they played the most games ever in MLS, right? They lost every competition, was very close in a few, leak, but they just, in the big moments, this felt like classic LAFC. 
last year they won the shield they won you know the playoffs the the mls cup but they kind of have a history of choking in these big moments <laughs> first year in the playoffs they lose at home to rsl 2019 the when they won the shield best team in the league lose in the penultimate game at home to seattle 2020 losing the playoffs to seattle 2020 they won they don't make it uh the ccl final the covid year they lost in the final <laughs> then they lose both legs of the final of the champions league this year in leagues cup they're up 2-0 against monterey in like the 78th minute and concede three goals <laughs> to get knocked out like Yikes. it's pretty rough and like a lot of this is a spoiled club right they've they've been very successful in a short amount of time so i don't feel too bad but they have just completely not showed up to the big games a lot of times in a short span yeah and i don't know i mean like you said they are a spoiled club because most fans would be happy like take a san jose fan take a dallas fan (laughs) take a colorado take you know name name any club they would be more than happy to be an lafc spot of playing in all these competitions going deep and then you know maybe you know they don't win but it's better to have only played in mls and leagues cup and lost in both oh and open cup everybody gets into open cup i guess but still i mean i i think lafc i don't know if it's too early to say they need to you know make over if they need to kind of rethink what they're doing but i think they're pretty dang close to that i mean they had such a successful year last year pretty successful year this year but it seems like Steve Chirondolo has to do some thinking about what his game plan is because they they fell short in the big moments this year every single time right maybe what do you think they need I mean they don't really have a number nine that's lights out starting level since they let go of Chicho Rongo true and I mean it seems like Carlos Vela is probably going to be leaving. It's not really his team anymore. It seems like it's Dennis Buonga's team. That's that stat they mentioned on MLS Cup where he hadn't scored since like he hadn't scored in 15 games. Yeah, that's not good. (laughs) (laughs) He did have that opportunity that went off the crossbar in the previous game, I believe, against Houston. But still, um, I think this is a... This might... I mean, this sounds stupid. Obviously, they, you know... If you're a fan of this club, if you're anybody in the team, you want to have won this to ensure your place in what I'm about to say, but they don't have Champions League next year. They didn't make the cut out of the 10 teams who made it, which is kind of wild. It's crazy that the MLS Cup, like MLS like Cup runner-up, doesn't make it in the Champions League. Pretty stupid in my opinion, even though yeah. it's LAFC team I don't like. They're the Western Conference champions. They lift a trophy, but nope. The next best supporter shield runner up. The next two best supporter shield runner ups. New England or League's Cup third place. You get right. New England and then you get another. I think it was uh, Orlando as well. Yep. You get the next league, you know, whatever. It's, it's pretty, silly. pretty dumb in our opinion. But they don't have that. League's Cup, you know, if they. I don't even know the the story about that. Are they going to do that with Copa America as well in the summer? But they won't have Champions League. They won't have as many deep tournaments unless they go super far. I think it'll be a nice like 
refresh for them. Who knows what's going to happen with Chiellini? Chiellini may stay another year. It seems like they're kind of like aging out, but at the same time, they have so many high-caliber young players they brought in. So I don't know exactly where their DP spots are, are tied up, if they have a DP spot coming up, but I don't know if they really need different players necessarily as they need like a like Chirundolo famously that, that you know he came in and said they need a plan B you know but under Bob Bradley they played that high possession style dominate the ball win the game with the ball and then Steve Chirundolo came in and said we need a plan B we need to be able to play against the ball in those games where you know we can't break a team down and it seems like that became their plan A and it did not work for them in the big games this year and I think I think on a different year, this is a weird season, right? LAFC I think deservedly went they deservedly went to MLS Cup through the West. Yeah. That being said, the Western Conference was not that great this year. First seed was St. Louis, who and this sounds like this sounds stupid once again, but if you took away that extremely hot start they had, six wins in a row or whatever. They would have been a mid-table team, right? A good team, but they're not truly an elite team. Yeah. Unless they prove me wrong next year. We'll see. <laughs> Seattle was the second seed in the West, and great year for them. But when you watch them play, they didn't really pass the eye tests. Like something, and even asking Sounders fans, something fell off with them. It didn't feel like that great of a year. But they made second. LFC was third. Like the West was not that great, and they beat teams like Seattle and Houston. Credit to them. Houston's a great squad, but I yeah. don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I I agree. I don't know. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this club's going to change in the off season because I mean, there's two different routes that their FO and their ownership can take. You know, they can look at it and see is it's a successful season. We made it deep in competitions. You know, our players are tired. They were overplayed. They, you know, had a really long season. Or they could see it as, you know, this is a symptom of other problems. Um, you know, we're playing a style where we try and play against the ball. When we have, you know, we've brought in all these elite players, we should be able to dominate the ball in these games. Um, I mean, if you were to look at just, like, the star names in those lineups there, I mean, based purely off just, like, coverage the league has given them and, you know, without like really diving into it too deep, you would pick this LAFC team to be the team to dominate the ball there. But I mean, obviously for us who, you know, people who watch the league and, and know these players and know the styles a bit more, it makes sense that Columbus dominated, but just looking at the names, I mean, I don't know. I don't think LAFC needs to do a you know, much, you know, they don't need to reconstruct their squad too much. They just need a little bit of a tweak. I think. I agree. I think, Maybe a maybe a star or high level number nine. Um, Chiellini goes an adequate. I wouldn't say replacement because they've got Aaron Long, who's a solid center back in the league. But maybe another depth center back, Keegan Hughes. <laughs> maybe man, um, Carlos Vela replacement. It's time they've been holding on for dear life, and you got to respect Carlos Vela. His time in LAFC, legend of that club was their leader on the pitch as well as symbolically put up some of the best seasons of any MLS player. I think he, I mean, he holds the record for most, most goals. goals. And the, yeah. So, I mean, he's, 
without a doubt an MLS legend at this point, but totally. Yeah, um, I think I think there comes a point where you kind of have to let them go and you can't just hold on to them. Not a ton of work to do though. Other than that, I I don't think their midfield did look a little outclassed against this Columbus team, but I think that could be a lot of factors. They have a solid midfield in general, but I think that comes down to the fact that you got Darlington Nagby on the other side who I don't I didn't see him. I mean, this is true of most games. He didn't lose the ball like once, and every time he got it, they would just it was either a foul or he would like turn the guy inside out and then play it off his foot. What a smart choice by Ilya. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, no, I would agree though. It seemed like their I mean, their midfield was outclassed. Kellen Acosta was a ghost. I didn't see that guy the entire game. I mean, um Timothy Tillman was really only like only like visible when he was just like clattering into Nagby. Ilya just seems like he's too old and slow to really keep up with the pace of it, but too many commercials. But I mean, that's just like you said, it's just one game where they seemed outclassed by a midfield that was far greater than them. Yeah, and they've got solid pieces they can put in and out of that lineup. Like you think of a Bogush, yeah, anybody like that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I think honestly, not too much to worry about. This Columbus, they caught a Columbus team who was just flying, red hot in form, and there wasn't much... I don't know if a single team who would have beaten this Columbus team in the league right now. Timbers. Other than Timbers. <laughs> no, yeah, this this was a red hot Columbus team that I think just... Not only their form going into playoffs, but the morale around the team seemed exceptional. Like the belief they had, they knew they were playing a really fun style. Um, and then you get like your role players like Christian Ramirez, who a lot of guys, I mean, they would put in that performance he had in a couple of the playoff games and be demanding like a starting spot, but gristle, you know, <laughs> but he's just like happy to be there. I mean, you see it like he comes on in the final with like 10 minutes left. Like it's like not even that much time left for him to make an impact. And he immediately is, like, hunting the ball down. He's taking it to the corner. He's shielding against Chiellini. Wins a corner and just screams at the top of his lungs. Like, just the the vibes around this team seemed really, really good going into this, this game. Can we just appreciate that? You would have told me, like, six years ago, you got Christian Ramirez just shielding off... Chiellini in a cup final <laughs> screaming r- riling up the crowd to win an MLS cup in the year before that you'd have Gareth Bale dunking on the Philadelphia Union <laughs> to, <laughs> to send it to extra time Man, great time to be the an way MLS fan. the way this league has changed like if you would have told me that in like 2015 when I was at like at a Timbers game I would have thought you were crazy but the way the league has changed who's but, your go for it yeah good good season I Columbus, their prime position to to do well next year. I think LAFC is as well, with some more tweaks. But I think they'll be at bare minimum of competitive team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I think LAFC they're in a great spot, and I don't see them losing too many key pieces besides a Velo or a Chiellini. Buanga, I don't think is going anywhere. I could see him maybe going back to Europe, but I'm not super sure. On the other hand, Columbus, I mean. As long as they can keep that, you know, keep a hold of Cucho. I mean, Aiden Morris was huge for them, but I don't think he's the most 
unreplaceable guy. I don't see too many other guys leaving the squad, really. I mean, when you look around it, just Yaya Boa, I don't see too many teams really trying to pick him up. Patrick Schulte, I think you get at least one more year out of him before you start getting some offers from around the world for him. Um, Their back line, I think all those guys stay. I don't don't know. Nagby's, I don't think he's going anywhere until he retires. Maybe Julian Gressel pushes for a move. Christian Ramirez, maybe. I don't know. But... Yeah, I. It's it's like you said. Both these teams are set up for success next year. But congratulations to the Columbus Crew. Third MLS Cup, third hosted in what like since twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. That was when they hosted, and they've hosted three since then. That's insane. So Darlington Nagby's won three MLS Cups in Columbus. <laughs> That's awesome. If you know, you know. And we uh we didn't really touch on that. Darlington Nagby with his fourth fourth MLS Cup and four attempts, which I mean we kind of brought it up before that I don't know if anybody has a better win record than that, like percentage wise. But he he joined in a an elite few company of players. I think ten players who have won at least four MLS Cups. That is insane. I mean, congrats to him. I hope they win another one before he leaves, before he retires. I don't know how many more years he has left in those legs, but I can see him playing like so he signed a contract extension for two more years. I can see him just and he even kind of alluded to it at his in his podcast interview with the MLS journeyman and they were talking about his contract and he said, "Yeah, I'd like to, you know, stay here and that might be it for me. It's pretty much what he said. He'd only be 35, but for a guy like Nagby who prioritizes his family, he's home. He mentioned on the podcast he loves being at a game in a city where he grew up with his family at the game every day. I don't see him leaving personally. What do you think he does when he retires? I think he just disappears, just coaches his kids' teams. I don't even think he can I don't even think he coaches like Maybe he's like a youth team or something. I was going like to say, I, I feel like I could see him coaching like a U10 soccer team or something and being like like the most like upbeat, like non-competitive person there when like other parents are like screaming like, what are you doing? Like that would be, that would be kind of funny to see. I could see him just being like positive for both teams. He mentioned on the podcast, like he was talking about Wilfred Nance and he was talking about how the skill of coaching and how it's so much more than just telling a group of players to do this and that and X, Y, Z. And he mentioned it's a skill like he does not think is easy and he doesn't really have. So I think he just disappears and you never hear from him again. Just doesn't do commentating. Just pulls a Brandon Roy. (laughs) (laughs) That's just his temperament and, Kind of, kind of refreshing to see, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would be more than happy to see that happen. See, like a guy who's just a good person leave the league and you know live a happy life after that. But congrats to Nagby, congrats to Columbus, and we have a couple games to to do here today. Do you got anything else to talk about with that game before we? I want we your, move on. This is our way too early. MLS Cup 2024 championship <laughs> predictions. Right now. Way too early MLS Cup. All right. <laughs> the day after MLS Cup 2023. Who <laughs> wins it next year? 
You can go first. Oh, man. I honestly haven't even thought about this at all. That's really tough. Chicago hiring Frank Klopas looks really... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, oh, it's hard to ignore Miami. It's hard to ignore the allure of them. Um, the players they're bringing in, the, you know, being like the league darlings, I feel like they're going to get the LAFC treatment. Um, so I feel like Miami's too easy of an answer though. And I think they're going to have this LAFC syndrome of being preoccupied and too many different competitions. So I don't, I feel like LA Miami will make a deep run, but they won't win it. I, you know what? I, I'm going to say Cincinnati. That's who I was going to say as well. I think Cincinnati's going to come back with a vengeance. They're not going to win supporter shield. They'll win MLS cup. That's what I was thinking. They, Useful experience learned in this yeah. last game. I think they'll make some more additions to their roster. Solid starting eleven. Couple things they need to replace. No depth. <laughs> yeah, not not as much depth as you would hope. It like especially compared to like a Columbus, right? So that was my pick as well. You know, it it'd be obvious to say Columbus as well, but it's so rare to see a team do a repeat of an MLS Cup. Yeah. And it hasn't happened in 12 seasons. It was the LA Galaxy in the 2011-12 year uh, seasons. So it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting because Columbus is so committed to their play style, but now teams have a full year of studying what Columbus does and coming up with a game plan to counter it. I was going to say that's what it feels like happened. As soon as one of these teams has an incredible year and a run where they look unbeatable, it just gets figured out the next year. You think of like Portland 2015 gets neutralized next year, Toronto FC in 2017, Atlanta 2018. Yeah. And you know what? Oh, this is a little off topic, but that's where there's kind of like levels to coaches. And I, I mean, I'm going to be really like interested to see if Wilfred Nance changes anything. Cause that's one thing you see with like Pep Guardiola with his, Barcelona and Man City teams and and uh, Bayern Munich is he has an extremely successful season and the next year he does like all these weird decisions that nobody understands like benching a star player playing four center backs across the back line he changes like one like some little aspect about his team for the whole next year that makes it hard for teams to really lock in on him um, so I'll be I'll be interested because I could see Wilfred Nance being that caliber of coach where he's going to go into next season with a trick up his sleeve to kind of change, you know, whether it's changing formation to a four in the back, um, you know, maybe being a little bit more direct, a little bit more patient. You know, I could see him doing some sort of change like that with Columbus, but yeah. So are we both saying Cincinnati to win next year? I was thinking Cincinnati. Who's going to be your team? Wooden Spoon? Not Wooden. We can do Wooden Spoon, but I think that's, there's a great list of teams, your usual suspects who would be it. I was thinking, who's going to be a team that is poised and seems set up to do well or be decently successful that's going to be a big flop, a disappointment? Sort of like Toronto this year, right? They had that 2022 mm-hmm. solid end of the season with Bernadeschi and Insignia. I guess they did win the spoon, so kind of works as a double. But who's like your disappointment of the year? Houston. I think Houston's going to be they're going to have a disappointing season next year. I think it's going to be same thing as what we were just saying with Columbus. Teams are going to figure them out 
and they have far less quality than Columbus. And Hector Herrera is only getting older. They're going to probably lose Carasquilla. I don't think they find a replace a replacement of equal quality. I think they're going to get found out next year. I've got kind of two. I've got Philadelphia. There's so much... I, want, I don't want to say turmoil because it doesn't look that serious, but uncertainty almost. And that's a team that's getting another year older. I don't... Maybe they get an adequate replacements for some of their players, but like we kind of mentioned, if Bedoya leaves, that's huge leadership. If Blake regresses, that's huge in the negative for them. What if Gazdag doesn't get 15 penalties this year? Like, <laughs> I could say the same about a mean bossy over at uh, Houston, dude. I think that's fair. No, I, I just wasn't really convinced by Philly this year. Yeah. I think their window's closing, and there's teams... There's already better teams in the East than them. Cincy, Columbus, Miami's a wild card, but they could be better. Orlando. Yeah. And then my other... This is kind of like a half of each one. Half Philly... And Atlanta, they had great work in the summer transfer window. They brought in some nice pieces, but Tiago Almada just recently was interviewed and said, I want to leave this transfer window. Like It was no animosity, but it's pretty clear he wants to be out of the team to go to 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 Europe. Yeah, He wants to be in Europe, right? If you take Tiago Almada, (laughs) and this sounds silly, but you could say this to anybody, take him out of this Atlanta squad, they don't look nearly as good. Yeah, I mean, that's that was kind of the story of this whole season. Everybody thought they were going to lose Almada early and their season was going to be over. So, I mean, it's just a matter of, I think they need to get that business done, like, right away. They need to sell him as soon as they can so they can get that money coming into the club and they have the freedom to go out and bring in a replacement because, I don't know. I, I, I see what you're saying, but Atlanta has a, a knack for good talent like identification. I could see them bringing in another just stud playmaker to to take his spot. Unless they pull like an Ezekiel Barco and bring that guy, bring somebody of that caliber in, Pity Martinez. They go get Efren Alvarez out of the Liga MX, bring him back to the league. Oh man, that would be a shocker of a signing. <laughs> I can see him like I can see like Houston Dynamo signing him in like 3 years or something like that. You know what That's I mean? That's the old Houston way. That's going to be like <laughs> Austin signs him or San Jose or somebody like that brings him in. San Jose. He goes across the the Cali Classico. He's like the anti-Landon Donovan, dude. (laughs) Oh, man. Like a highly sought-after youth talent for LA Galaxy. (laughs) Destroys his career and then goes to San Jose. (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah. I don't know. What about Wooden Spoon? Who do you got for Wooden Spoon? Oh, man. I mean, at the moment, this is so early to to talk about it, but at the moment, I think there's few clear options. I mean, basing it off of this season, Colorado would <laughs> gotta be the top of your list, right? I think so. Unfortunately, DC, I can see on a similar path. Yeah, Rooney's gone. Don't know who's gonna replace him. Can't be too much worse, honestly. But <laughs> I think Colorado is the clear option. I mean, Chris Armas isn't exactly the most exciting hire. Um, but Chicago as well. I mean, there's nothing that excites me about that team. So unless they bring in some real talent and they're, I don't know, Frank Klopas isn't the most exciting coach either. 
I yeah, I'd, I'd say Colorado, maybe Chicago, but I don't want to pick one of those teams because you know it's MLS, right? So one of those two teams is going to sign Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> Chicago, man, we've been talking about it. One of those teams, I feel like either one of them, I'm not sure which one, it's purely up in the air, but they'll do all right, I feel like. They might not make the playoffs, but they'll have a solid they'll year get like, where they improve. squeak in and uh, like ninth place and then lose in like the playoff like wild card game or whatever it is. Yeah, but it's normally the team you don't think is going to be that bad ends up, and then vice versa. There's always a team that wins, does extremely well, like a Houston this year that you wouldn't expect. That's MLS for you. That's why we love it. But anything else we need to go over with a uh, with MLS Cup? Yeah, I wanted to go over a couple off season roster. Uh, Hit me with it. Moves for just the MLS Cup teams or just MLS in general. MLS in general. I've seen a few. I've been sending you some on on Instagram as well. There's, you know, we're getting we're getting into silly season. We're now in the middle of it, not the middle, but the start of it, right? MLS Cup just happened. You're going to see some more and more and more moves. So first of all, one we were wrong about. We talked about Raul Ruiz Diaz leaving. He is under contract, and Brian Schmitzer said he is in the plans for next season. Yikes. To share time with Jordan Morris at the number nine. So, oh, man, I love to hear that. <laughs> I was going to say, as a Timbers fan, and this is going to look really stupid if we're wrong, but <laughs> Jordan Morris and... Raul Ruiz Diaz in 2023 don't look like the most fierce options to have at striker. Not at all. And they were carried by their defense this season, right? Yamar was yeah. probably best 11 caliber center back. And I don't know. It kind of confusing move to me in my in my own personal honesty. But another Seattle news, Stefan Fry gets signed to a contract extension. He's been there now since 2014, and he has a two-year deal to stay until the end of the 2025 season. He's 37 right now. I mean, in keeper years, that's like 21. <laughs> and he he's been solid his whole career in Seattle. Yeah, I I don't I think he'll be fine for another few years. He doesn't he seems better than their backup options. That's for sure. Whenever you see like a Stephen Cleveland, yeah. Whenever you see Cleveland go in goal and just fumble the bag on the in a rivalry match, <laughs> he actually got declined. Actually, <laughs> doesn't surprise me. <laughs> um, Orlando City, Mauricio Pereira, he gets his contract mutually terminated. He wants to pursue new opportunities. Looks like he's going to Nacional back in his native Uruguay. Uh, joined the team midway through the 2019 year designated player and helped the team get to four straight MLS Cup playoff appearances which was not a thing that Orlando City had done <laughs> so that's true each of his for each of his full seasons they made the MLS Cup playoffs obviously uh, Oscar Perea is a big part of that but I think for him for Orlando club legend I think Definitely one of the best players. He was their captain. He his stats are kind of funny. 114 league games. He had 45 assists, solid, and then four goals. I know he wasn't really a goal scorer <laughs> oh, here, but <laughs> helped them won their first ever trophy. And 
It's funny, yeah, when you when you hear it that way of like <laughs> you hear double digits on one side of the like goal and assist, and then the other side is just single digits. It always kind of sounds funny when it's super unbalanced like that. But but Orlando City, they need to they need to get some DPS and get them firing. They don't have any on the contracts on the roster at the moment. Really, I thought Erickson yeah. Cara is gone. He transferred in the summer, and. Mauricio Pereira is gone now too, so they can add some Good nice pieces to this squad. Because, <laughs> That's a scary thought because they were second place, third in the supporter shield standings, and only only more room to add. That's kind of crazy. That's that they've been that successful without any real DPS in their team. Don't tell Phil Neville about this. <laughs> um. <laughs> Speaking of coaches who have coached in Florida, though, Oscar Perea also looks like sources are reporting he is extending his contract with Orlando. He's going to stay. Good for them. Makes a lot of sense. I don't know why this was even like a a hot topic. It was for a while. This was uh, not a confirmed, you know, really reality-looking thing for a while. Looked like he might have been gone, but... Definitely their most successful coach by far in MLS, and yeah, they would have been they would have been really silly to let him go. It would have been a poor, poor move if they let Oscar Pereja go after how much success he's had with them. Sebastian Burhalter resigns <laughs> with Ooh. Vancouver. Just kidding. Um, another one from Seattle. Seattle Sounders pursuing Lanús attacker Pedro de la Vega. Made three appearances with the Argentinian senior national team. Good prospect from the Argentinian league. Looks like he'd slot in in the left wing, maybe fill in in the center midfield, uh, center attacking mid. Thoughts? Because Seattle doesn't seem like a club that signs these younger kind of this feels more like an Atlanta type of signing. He's 22, comes from the Argentinian league. They sign more 26 to 30-year-old yeah. in their prime players, right? It'll be interesting. I, I think I sent this to you and one of our other friends when I first saw it because I've... <laughs> it's really random. I used to sign that guy in like FIFA career modes back in the day because he was like one of the highest rated highest potential like youth prospects in the game. Um, I don't know too much about him other than that, but yeah, interesting signing for Seattle because maybe they're starting to realize with all these dinosaurs on their team that they need to, you know, bring the average age down and give them a chance to sell on some, some guys. I mean, they, they do a really good job with their youth Academy selling players from there. But, you know, give them a chance to bring in a highly rated prospect that's going to pr- produce for them for the few years. And then also after, you know, being successful with them. I mean, I hope not. But and then getting sold on for however much profit they can make off of him. I will say I it's an exciting move. Lanus has a good track record of producing MLS players. Um, but going back to actually Rui Diaz. I'm excited he's re- like staying in Seattle. They're not, at least at the moment, it looks like looking to move him. We talked about it before, but Rui Diaz and players like that make the, the Seattle, Portland, they make MLS entertaining, right? These 
players you turn up for big games, big moments. Yeah. Um, so to another year of booing that man in Seattle <laughs> on our annual trip. Cheering his name, ironically. I can't wait for it. <laughs> Did um, you see? I think you brought this up. Colorado Rapids in the market for a goalkeeper. That's right. <laughs> I, I forgot about that one because it that's seems an important one to talk about. It, this is such a if it goes through. So Zach Steffen, <laughs> USA <laughs> former USA, I'd say. I don't even he doesn't really play much for them. And former Man City goalkeeper. Looks like he's in advanced talks to sign with Colorado Rapids <laughs> per Tom Bogart. This would be such a weird signing for everybody involved. But like, at the same time, if there's any club you'd have to guess who would probably burn a DP spot on a goalkeeper, <laughs> and I'm not saying it wouldn't be a bad move. We've seen it work with Berkey at St. Louis. It's such a Colorado move, though, right? Yeah. I think they're going to try and throw it back to the days of Tim Howard when they you know, they had him in, in the club and they were semi-successful. Just seems like a weird fit because Zach Steffen isn't a great goalkeeper in the way of like just traditional like shot stopping. He's really good with his feet, and that's kind of the draw to him as a goalkeeper. But I don't see Colorado <laughs> really utilizing that very well. So it just doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. For Zach Steffen, his stock is at a low point right now, but he, you know, he. You have some sort of base value just from being a Manchester City player and having experience in Europe that he could draw, you know, somewhere better. I, I think it would lower his stock too much just to go to Colorado. Unless he does well, right? I, I think unless he does well. But yeah, I mean, if he's trying to make a push back into the national team, I don't think that's the place to go. <laughs> Maybe. I think he needs game time, though, right? He needs game time. True. This move, I think, could make a lot of sense. Maybe he, ha maybe, hey, maybe <laughs> Chris Armas turns this around and they have a successful year. And we saw when he's shaking his head at me. <laughs> he's shaking his head. But like that 2021 Rapids team that gets brought up every week on this podcast, maybe they have a good year. And a lot of those players, and to Colorado's downfall, they moved on. Like an Austin trustee, they transferred abroad. Maybe Zach Steffen does something like that to help his career, right? He doesn't I can think see so. Uh, I could see him going there and being semi-successful, but I don't think it helps his career in the long run. He'd get he'd probably get paid well. Did you know he's twenty eight years old? Yeah, that is wild. It's it is weird to think after this next World Cup cycle, we'll probably bet in a new keeper at that point. Because I think Matt Turner's probably got it locked down, but he's about the same age. He's 28 as well. Zach Steffen, 28. Ethan Horvath getting up there as well. So I think after this next World Cup, you'll probably see like a Gaga Slonina or another young goalkeeper. Poor guy just had a howler and uh, on loan. Just, <laughs> Slonina? Just today, actually. Um, I just saw Matt Turner had a stud game for... Uh, uh, Forrest. Yeah, he's on... On loan at Nottingham Forest. He had a pretty solid game for them. And a 1-1 draw against Wolves. And you know what's funny is you mentioned Ethan Horvath. What could be a, a cheaper move 
Ford, Ford Colorado would would be Ethan Horvath. He's actually a Colorado native. He's been effectively frozen out out of Nottingham Forest. <laughs> he's technically on their books, but he's not on loan at the moment. He's just kind of in purgatory, owned by this club. Yeah. I think he's still training with them, if I recall. But this one makes a lot more sense to me. He's he's also 28 years old. But <laughs> this could be a move because I, I could see him. I don't know. It just makes more sense. Like, his stock is a lot lower than Zach Steffens right now. I know Steffens isn't higher. But Steffen I could see going to a, you know, staying in Europe. Maybe going to a lower league. He's in the championship right now. Or I guess technically but i don't know anyway i'm tired of talking about colorado and goalkeeper <laughs> colorado and former u.s goalkeepers um fair enough fair enough fc dallas signed u22 initiative winger ennis Sali from a romanian league he's 17 years old and i don't know much about this guy but it says he's a wonder kid he debuted for his team at 15 Seems like one of those signings where it's like you don't you kind of hear about it. There's a buzz about him, kind of like an Alan Velasco. And after like a year, he he ends up being really solid. Yeah, I could see it. I mean, Dallas is solid with their you know talent identification, especially for like young players. So I could definitely see this being a successful move for them. I didn't know that goalkeeper was a spot they really wanted to improve on, though. Dallas? Yeah. This is a winger, actually. Oh, at least a goalkeeper for some reason. What the heck? <laughs> um, Not quite. Uh, <laughs> a little bit different. Atlanta United, they they get him permanently. Zande Silva, the winger they signed, they got on loan midseason. He was playing for Dijon in the French. He was in the third tier, actually. But he looks solid. He's a Yikes. former Portugal youth international he had four goals, three assists in 13 games. So about a goal contribution every other game. And he looked the part, honestly. He looked the real deal uh, experience in the Premier League and in Portugal and Greece. But solid piece. And at a good age as well, 26. Um, like you said, he looked the part for them. This is the smart kind of pickups that we always talk about for Atlanta. I mean, bringing in guys like this that'll you know, uh, contribute to their team right away and then be, you know, be there for the prime of his career. This one, I completely agree. This one is an interesting one because this is more speculation. Kellen Acosta is out of contract now officially at LAFC. He'll become a free agent, be able to choose where he wants to sign. Stock feels a little down compared to where it's been didn't really seem as impressive especially in mls cup but throughout this whole year it feels like after the world cup killing acosta kind of went off the radar a little bit i'm not saying he's a bad player by any means i think it'd be a great piece for a lot of teams but 28 years old solid mls midfielder with a lot of experience who's a team you see him fitting into well colorado he goes goes back goes back to Colorado. No, I don't know. I think really any team in the league would be smart to pick up Kellen Acosta. I think he could fit at a lot of different places. I'm trying to think who really needs 
like a good just defensive mid in their system right now. Maybe a Houston kind of add some depth depth for them there. Um, I don't think they necessarily really need him. Um, I don't know because all the teams I can really think of are just like just the stinker like crap teams that I think he's probably above going to. You know who I could really see him going to that I would just despise is Seattle. Seems like a Seattle pickup. I would hate that. That seems like a Seattle pickup if I've ever heard of one. Yeah, I don't see I don't see Houston. I think they're pretty set right now because he'd have to he'd be pretty expensive, and then you know he'd be taking out of he'd either be starting over Artur, who's been solid. Artur is actually younger than him, and I'm not sure. Maybe maybe in Atlanta. Ozzy Alonso gets declined. They have Tristan Moyomba, who's been good. Another addition. They don't really have a, like a lockdown CDM. In their game they got eliminated, they played uh, a 20-year-old who was brought up through their system from Atlanta too. I can see him going to Atlanta. He's like a U.S. national team player, you know, Atlanta does well with these sorts of players. Seattle, I would hate. <laughs> but a midfield with him and Jao Paulo would be pretty nice. Yeah. Instead of Atencio, you know, you bring in a guy that has like 10 years extra experience. <laughs> and I can see Atencio going to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. What about Dallas? Send him back to Dallas. Return of the King. Put him in the midfield next to uh, Ijara Mendy, who was kind of under the radar. Good, good player for Dallas. I mean, I think Dallas kind of needs that like extra little bit of you know experience and and somebody to kind of drive them on, especially if they, you know, decline a little bit. I mean, I don't know what the deal is with Jesus Ferreira, but I think he would bring a lot of experience and leadership to a team like that. And Dallas. I think that one makes sense. I can see this one happening. They had Liam Frazier there uh, in their last game. They got eliminated. 25-year-old Canadian player who's kind of not bounced around but hasn't really stuck as a out-and-out contributor. I know when he was at Colorado and got traded to LAFC, he wanted to go to Europe, Kellen Acosta, mm-hmm. prior to the you know 2022 World Cup. I'm not saying I can see him going to Europe, but maybe he tries to push to go somewhere in Europe. Who knows? But solid player, going to be one of the most sought-after free agents in the league this year, definitely. So I could see that happening. What else? You got any more moves? Any more moves? I don't think so. Those were the main ones I wanted to cover. There's going to be a lot that we'll cover throughout the off season as well. I'm sure there's going to oh. be it's going to be a busy off season. One more. All right, hit me with it. Have we talked about this? I could be wrong, but I don't remember really going too in depth. Did we talk about Suarez? We mentioned it, but it wasn't confirmed, and it's kind of at the point where it's all but confirmed now, right? I don't see this signing being a home run. <laughs> we talked about this not on the podcast. We talked about this with our friend Ryan actually. This, to me, just... I get why they're doing it, right? They're going to make a lot of money off of jerseys. Everybody wants to see Messi and Suarez together. 
playing one last time like the glory days. And he's been great. We we were looking at his stats for Gremio, right, in Brazil. And that's a tough league. That's not an easy league. He's 36, 37. He is he's, 36. He's getting up there, and he, but he is still producing. He went to Nacional in Uruguay for a little bit, was solid there as well. But I don't see with... MLS is a tough league, right? Not just the games. It's lower than the Brazilian league in quality, right? But with the travel, with the turf, with the the weather conditions, hot, cold, snow, all of that, MLS is a very physical league too. I can see him dominating, like you say, like having a really good season. I can also see him being a major flop. He gets like his knee taken out by some player on like week two against like the Rapids, just a <laughs> bruiser of a tackle. No chance Miami is playing against the Rapids. That <laughs> that'd be such a wasted <laughs> chance of money making. All right, right there. DC United and Miami play. Steve Burnbaum. <laughs> Steve Burnbaum just cleats them. And how, people, if you're listening to this, there's gonna be some Euro snobs who are just gonna think I'm a hater and think I'm overrating this Burger League, but. <laughs> He even mentioned in an interview recently, he takes like multiple shots and pain. He like, his knees are giving out. He says he's in pain after every game. And I can see this going very bad. I see what you're saying, but I think if he was in that much pain, he wouldn't come to play. I think, and I don't think Miami would green light that move if it was that bad. Um, I saw recently there's a video of, uh, he used to be like the head physio for Arsenal. And he was talking about, you always hear about players have to pass their physical before they can uh, come to a club. And a lot of people just think it's like when you play high school soccer and you go and get a physical. But like what it really is, is like the they run all these tests on these players and they essentially what they do is they assess like the risk, the you know risk that it's going to be to have a player at a club, how much they can get out of them. You know, they assess like the tissue damage and different parts of their body. Um, so it's more of an assessment to see if the club's willing to make the investment. So I think if Miami's going to make this move, they've made the assessment and they've looked at it and they see that he can at least at least be on the field enough for them to make money on it. And, and like you said, like he's dominated the Brazilian league. I mean, he has 28 goal and assist contributions in 33 games. In a league that, I mean, I don't know. I don't watch it too well, too much, but a lot of people would rate it higher than MLS. Certainly on the global scale, the higher, you know, the top teams in that league are probably far and above MLS. Um, So I don't know, man. It's just, it's hard to write him off. I, I could easily see him being a huge success. And they have so many young components at Miami that they could easily manage his minutes and not have to worry about it. Totally. No, totally agree with everything you said, but he'll be 37 in January before the year even starts. They're going to Hong Kong for a preseason. Think about all the travel. I know they don't travel like normal people do, but <laughs> think of all the travel, the miles, the time zones, the fas- a lot of players when they come abroad or come to the U.S., those things like them is what messes with them. 
they're the president of Gremio. They've been holding him out on games on synthetic turf. He Suarez himself has admitted he's considering retiring earlier than he wanted to. And their president says he's in constant pain every single game. And he's the president said he's reaching his limit to play. He's given daily injections. Like I said, picture the picture like an early season game in like May in like March. It's a cold game on like Gillette Stadium on that cold, wet turf. If he plays, I don't think he plays in those games. Picture a game, any sort of game. NYCFC. There's some crappy fields in MLS. No, and I could see that happening. I think Miami is going to be too smart about how they limit his minutes and it's not like in the it's not like Suarez is the star of the show nobody's buying a ticket to a Miami game to see Suarez there I think they're buying you know everybody's buying that ticket to see Robert Taylor so (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I mean like there's no real pressure to force him onto the field in any of these games so it's just like it's just an added bonus of experience I mean, it's been talked about in a lot of MLS media, the way Miami is structured. They have, like, you know, their academy is right next to their first team. So you get, like, in the cafeteria where players are eating, you have the academy players are, like, walking by, like, eating, like, around the first team. Messi gets his cheese pizza after the game. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I think just bringing him into the club overall is going to be a huge success. And I think just the mindset of a guy, like a one of the best forwards of of our generation one of the best you know arguably i would say of the past like two decades robbie robinson <laughs> i i think there's a different mindset for guys like that and if he if he didn't want to play if he wasn't you know mentally strong enough to still play i don't think he would still be there it's similar i mean you see it all the time with athletes that reach this age they're always all in pain they always you know struggle to continue going on um, I mean, I know you see it in basketball with guys. You see it, I mean, I mean, for example, like, do you, you know, like, Kamara Usman is, like, former UFC champion. Like, it's kind of like a famous, like, story about how, like, his knees are so bad he has to walk backwards downstairs. He walks, like, barefoot in grass everywhere he can because, like, it's he's in so much pain, yet he's still, like, competing for championship, like, you know, titles in the UFC, so... I think there's a different mindset to a guy like that versus if you just had some like random like Jack McInerney who's like 36 and he's like, my, I get injections in my knees. Like it'd be a completely different story. I, I, I would say I, even I if you this... gave, if you gave Luis Suarez 20 games in the league, I would say he would score 12 plus goals. See, I'm not as optimistic. And I think more, this move is just more about, keeping Messi happy they've got Messi that was the the biggest get in MLS history they want to keep him happy and they've been talking about for years and years and years since you know that MSN trio was disbanded I guess he only left in 2019 Suarez so they were playing together but Suarez mentioned he wanted to play with Messi before he retired again and where else to do it but Miami I, I think it's more about keeping messy and keeping these pieces happy. I I would agree. That's definitely a huge part of it. I don't think he's going to be a flop though. I think, and I, I think one thing that we're going to see this next season with Miami 
I don't know if there will be a single game where you see all of these players on the field at the same time. I don't think you'll ever see Jordi Alba, Messi, Busquets, and Suarez all on the field at the same time. Probably in their friendly versus Al Nassar in the summer. <laughs> that would probably be the only time. But other than that, I I don't think there's ever a time where they have them all on the field. I think they're gonna the physio is gonna be real really crucial for their team in managing minutes and keeping these guys at least semi healthy to be out there. A few more moves. Um, a lot to a lot to cover. We don't have to go as in depth. Uh, Orlando City center back. Antonio Carlos getting a move to Fluminense in Brazil. So Orlando, one of the best defenses, loses one of their rotation, solid center backs, starts a lot, comes in as a sub. Do you think Orlando needs to replace him, or is this just a, oh well? I think they'd be silly not to. I think anytime you lose a player out of your, you know, top 18, like your senior squad, I think you're kind of silly to not bring in a replacement. I mean, even if it's just a rotational depth piece, bring in somebody, even if it's from your youth academy, it's a free transfer, something. I think they'd be silly not to bring in somebody. A few more. Jack Price, who we <laughs> talked about. We talked about him not returning to Colorado. And we mentioned even, too, it was reported it was due to family reasons. He wanted to be closer to home. He pretty much laughed that off and mentioned that he just got a disrespectful offer. He was the captain of that team for the last five, almost six seasons, and they gave him a lowball offer. Is that fair? I mean, he didn't really play a bunch the last couple seasons. Do you think that was smart from Colorado? Uh, I don't know how they, I don't know how they approach that. You know, I think the trying to lower his wages is a smart idea, but it all is on how it's approached. You know, I mean, if you go at it and just like throw that offer at him, then obviously he's going to be upset. But if you open it with a conversation of, you know, just being realistic, then I mean, I mean, Colorado has to move on. This is kind of like what we were talking about with like Carlos Vela or, you know, any team, you can't just hold on <laughs> to, to a much, <laughs> much different degree, but yeah, but yeah you can't just hold success. on <laughs> to these guys because they, you know, they're club legends. You know, once they get too old, you can't, you know, you got to either lower their wages or move them on. Next up, we got a couple interesting things here to, to talk about. We mentioned it as a joke, but what do you think about Frank Clopas? getting signed officially to the Chicago Fire. I just think it's the status quo for Chicago. I don't think it's any I don't think their fans are excited. I don't think anybody around the league is worried. And he's such a legend there in that organization and everybody feels bad for him. <laughs> They're like he should be just worried and excuse me, not worried about guiding this team out of the cellar, having his reputation, you know, at stake. He's a legend in Chicago. Why do they keep like bringing him on? And he's mentioned too. He doesn't think he's the long-term solution for this club when he became as an interim. And that's definitely true. so he's even self-aware like there could be somebody better than him. And you got to respect that in my opinion. He just he loves the club. He's Chicago Fire through day in day out. And the fans see that 
and they just want more. Kind of crazy. He only played for Chicago for one season before retiring and then becoming a coach. Well, I guess he played for the Chicago Sting for five years, which is the Chicago indoor professional team. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I don't have too much of an opinion on it. I mean, it's a two-way street. Like, people nope. can feel bad for him, but he keeps going back. So, he if he wants to make his reputation that much worse, then <laughs> so be it. See, for me, I, I see even if he fails, I think people will be more mad at the FO than him personally. But we don't have to we'll, – we'll move on. Some more coaching news. Minnesota announces – so Adrian Heath is gone, obviously. They sacked him before the end of the last or this season. Their new sporting director is yet to start, Khaled El Ahmad. He's starting in January. <laughs> Such a Min- joke. Minnesota announced that their interim coach, who they had, his name is Sean McCauley, former Timbers uh, mm-hmm. assistant, actually. He's going to remain as interim coach going into next season because they're still waiting to find a coach. And I kind of see why, because they want the sporting director to be at the forefront of this process. But all these things just, it's kind of stupid, right? It the seems, timing is off. It seems ridiculous because they're going to wait until January for this sporting director to show up. And then on top of that, they're going to wait for, I mean, is he just going to show up and immediately be like, oh, hire this guy? Or is he going to, you know, he's going to have to go through the process of like learning the club, learning the squad, and then starting a search. They're starting doing interviews. Behind, right? Yeah. It's just, it just makes no sense at all. But I mean... Obviously, there's got to be something about this sporting director that they see that they think is going to revolutionize their club. You know, they they must hold him in the same regard as like a Tim Bezbachenko or, you know, some of these other like high level like FO like guys that is just going to re you know rebuild their club essentially. That's well said. A few more, and they're all head coaching uh, related. LA Galaxy announced. Will Kuntz will take over as their chief soccer officer. So the guy making the decisions, the number one decision maker for all soccer-related operations, he decides GM, sporting director, all those sort of things. It was Greg Vanny was in a double role. He He had this position, and he was head coach. They removed Vanny from this specifically, which I want to know your thoughts on that because for me, this just seems like damage control before like this gets out of control with Greg Vanny. LA Galaxy fans have wanted him out for a while. They're tired of seeing LAFC make MLS Cups, and this feels like like putting a Band-Aid on a cut after you just got in a car accident and the rest <laughs> of your body just got beat up and bruised. I... I would agree. I think it's a smart move for them, actually. I think most teams, most of the time, it's not smart to make your your CSO or your general manager, whatever you know label you want to put on it, the same as who your coach is. I mean, unless you get like a Bruce, Bruce, you know, like a big Bruce, or you get a Bob Bradley or somebody who knows the league inside and out and has experience on both levels. But it just seemed like it was too much for Greg Vanny. 
And maybe this will be a good turning point for them to take some off of his plate that he can just focus on coaching this team. I, t- I would agree with that. I think that's well said. Um, another interesting one, New England Revolution head coaching spot. So they named Kurt Analfo. He gets the top FO position. <laughs> He's the big boy in the FO right it's now. Club, man. <laughs> so the finalists, it looks like, or the main candidates at the moment for New England – I'm not going to say finalists. That hasn't been confirmed. Gio Savarese, Bob Bradley, Caleb Porter, Robin Frazier, Dominic Kinnear, uh, Tom Bogart tweeted this from Tommy Quinlan and Seth <laughs> I Mann I thought you were saying Twitter. Tom Bogart was on that list. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving credit. Dude, that would be nuts if I that list... guy just pulls off the most insane signings for, for them. <laughs> I was naming the tweet because I, when noticing when we edited these, I'll say like, oh, the, I saw this on Twitter. Could have just made that up. I want to give credit to yeah. some some apt journalism. It seems like the the top three there, the the options that they're really looking at. I don't think they would give Robin Frazier the the job or Kinnear. Um, I don't know. We we talked about this already. I think Geo would be amazing for them. I think Bob Bradley would be really good for them in the short term. I don't see him coaching for too much longer. Maybe another five years at least. Caleb Porter, I would be interested to see. Because it could either go really, really well or really, really poorly with him. I, Sounds I, like Caleb Porter. <laughs> I don't know. Those three options, though, I mean, that's not a bad place to be in for your club. Like that's I know solid. you just lost Bruce Serena, but all three of those guys are going to be pretty good. Right. We'll see what sporting director Kurt Anolfo does. I'd be interested to see. <laughs> Now, this one is weird to me. Charlotte FC's three candidates link with them. I don't know. One, Freddie Juarez, former RSL head coach who left to be head who left to be an assistant coach at Seattle. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. That was just a weird move. The disrespect to RSL. Just him and Rusnak just jump ship whenever they want, I guess. But a couple notable names on this list. Frank Lampard and Dean Smith. <laughs> I forgot that Frank. Lam- I would love to see Frank Lampard get l- just the j- the Charlotte job. That would be awesome. And then I would love if, and hopefully this works out. But I would love if Houston Dynamo and Ben Olsen play at Charlotte, and Houston just plays Charlotte off the pitch. Ben Olsen, the the most stereotypical like American coach. <laughs> just does this Houston tiki taka and just destroys Frank Lampard. Wouldn't that be great? That would be so fun to watch. That would be amazing. Yeah, I'd, I would love to see Frank Lampard. I think he needs that kind of move in his career as well. Maybe he's kind of fallen in the Waza Rooney, the, you know, following his footsteps of kind of restarting your coaching career a little bit. I don't know. That'd be interesting to see, though. I don't I don't know how serious that actually is, though. It's an interesting one, right? And he hasn't... When was the last time Frank Lampard did well? Uh, I think when he coached Derby County and he had all those lone players from Chelsea. And I think at Chelsea, his first season was good when they had the transfer ban. I was going to say, he did a good job with the hand he was dealt, but 
That was a weird time for Chelsea because they were like forced to finally use their youth prospects and they did well and then immediately threw it down the drain. But yeah, I would agree. Other than that, he's been pretty poor as a manager. How about how about Dean Smith, former Villa, uh, just recently was at Leicester on a short-term deal, Norwich City, Brentford manager? Don't really care about him. <laughs> going to be honest. I don't know. I... I get a little bored of like seeing these random like European managers come these over milk toast. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's just like, I think there's a lot of exciting talent coming up through USL, a lot of exciting talent, you know, down in South America as well as just like, I don't know. I think there's, there's a lot of talent in the Western world, the Western hemisphere that we can, you know, we can extract from. I don't think you need to go to Europe and get some washed up coach over there that can't find a job. And I'd agree. And his, his honors, Dean Smith. I mean, at Aston Villa, they made the championship playoffs, right? But 39% overall win percentage lost more games than he won. His next job, Norwich city, 28% win percentage, 16 games, won, 28 lost, I was listening to the MLS UK show podcast and one of the one of the hosts is a Norwich City fan who Dean Smith managed for about a year and so they're saying what do you what do you think about Dean Smith joining an MLS and he's like honestly I I don't even he was the coach of my team for about a year is what he said and I have no idea what what type of football he plays <laughs> just such a milk toast non-notable manager and then just recently was at Lester was in charge for eight games, won two of them. Yeah, it's just an. It'd be very fitting for Charlotte. That's all I have to say. It's like it's one thing to be ambitious and you know maybe splash some because I can any one of these other than Freddie Juarez, Dean Smith, or Frank Lampard, I can see not being the cheapest coach in the league. It's like, is this the best way to? It's, it's the Charlotte way. It's so tough to have a roster constructed tactically and wisely. But when you have a foreign coach who doesn't even do that great in their own league come <laughs> over when the club is already not constructed great, they don't really understand the roster mechanisms, this would be a disaster, in my opinion. I would agree. I would agree. I'd you know, if he wants this job, I think he's got to come over and he's got to make his bones and he's got to, you know, he's got to coach in the USL. He's got to be an assistant manager. And then maybe he's worthy of the Charlotte FC job. I agree. I agree. That's all I wanted to cover. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that is it. That went a little longer than I expected. <laughs> there was some more... The more I was looking at these things I was had, you know, saved... There's more and more stuff that I wanted to cover, so fair enough. This is this is silly season though. This is what you can this expect is, from the new MLS Net Boys off season. This is what we get to dive into for the next four months, two months, three months. I don't know how long this off season is going to be for us. It's been it'll be four months Jeez. as Timbers fans. So with that being the silly season and the new format of the show, what we have to dive into. I say we, we spend a little bit of time getting back to our roots. We play some games, some of our OG games. 
It's time. It's time. I've missed these games, honestly. <laughs> this is this is a huge part of me and Chase's like friendship. Is <laughs> it's spitting MLS players. You know what I was thinking we should do is we should like come up with these and then bring them to like our party chat when we're like playing FIFA with the boys. I'm See totally if anybody down. else could guess one of these before we do. I just remember the <laughs> I remember the one of the first times I, I knew you, I knew our friendship was for real was we go to a Timbers game and we're playing Timbers are playing Colorado in like twenty seventeen <laughs> and Tim Howard was on the Rapids at that time and you were like, No. Tim Howard? I don't want to see him. Zach McMath. <laughs> Zach McMath's who I want to see. <laughs> and unless you're an MLS sicko, there is nothing like that noteworthy about Zach McMath. Solid keeper, backup most of his time, but he's crossed the Rocky Mountain Cup to take over at RSL. He has, man. So I think I think we should start with a little bit of who am I. We'll keep track of score. Um if you get it on the first clue, you get three points. Second clue, two points. Third clue, one point. Um, and whoever has the most points will go first in our next game. Do you want to? You want to go first for who am I, or you want me to go first? I can go first. I can go first All for right. sure. Spit some knowledge at me. Who do I got? So, first one. Who am I? MLS Cup Edition. Hit me with it. We got my first player. I played for Crystal Palace. Played for Crystal Palace. It's your first hint. Oh, man. I immediately thought of somebody that I don't even know if they played in MLS, but I feel like they played for Montreal. <laughs> oh, man. Crystal Palace. I feel like... But no, Montreal hasn't won a cup. I'm, I got to remember, this is MLS Cup only. Yep. And Every- it's got to be the within the past five MLS Cups. Is that correct? Are we doing any MLS Cup? I did any MLS Cup. Oh, okay. I was just doing past five MLS Cups when oh. I did mine. Wow. Cheater, cheater. So you don't win, <laughs> you lose. I guess I lost. Never mind. Any MLS Cup, a guy who's played at Crystal Palace. <laughs> can't be the huge list of people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I can't think of anybody that really has played in England off the top of my head. I'll just spit out I don't think they won MLS Cup when he was there. Ashley Cole. No. Not a bad guess. A lot of Premier League experience. You know who came to my mind first was Mamadou Sako. <laughs> For whatever reason, I feel like he played at Montreal. That seems like a Montreal, it, just it, one season it, wonder. It definitely does. Like Bakari Sagna went <laughs> yeah, there for like yeah. eight months and then never even heard about that one. It just <laughs> happened. Um, that is incorrect. Um, All right. Next one. He was a player coach when he won MLS Cup, and the ML one of the MLS Cups he won was his last ever game. He was a player coach. Oh man! During this part, not his whole time at the club, but but during this period of his career, this has got to be some old MLS knowledge. If it's a player coach, what the heck? It was this MLS Cup. I'll give you another hint because I haven't given you great ones. It was past 2010. Player coach past 2010. So it's got to be before 
2015. I already know that. So it's going to be an old. Oh, man. Robbie Keane? Not a bad guess. I don't think he played at Crystal Palace, though. Not a bad guess. I don't think he did. He seems like the only guy that have the magnitude to be a player coach. Has been to three World Cups. I'm trying to. It's, it just has to be some obscure, random, big name that some coach would allow to coach. Some team would allow to coach them, and also play at the same time, like Wayne Rooney did at Derby. Yeah, and it. Oh man. I don't think. Did Thierry Henry win MLS, MLS Cup? He did not. I was going to say that but he, I don't even think he played for Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace is such a nothing team. Nobody cares about them. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you stumped me with this one. This is some old. I'll give you the team. Old geezer. I better give you the team and the year just to make it interesting. All right. 2011, LA Galaxy. So it's a random... It's surprising. I forgot this guy played here. Very end of his career. What he retired heck? after this. And I'll give you another hint. The World Cups he was at. 2002. 2006. <laughs> so he's old. And as a manager in 2022. Oh, man. This is going to be so, some old fart. So that was kind of a misleading... With the so he was a World manager Cups. at 2022. Yep. So, quick mm. recap: played for Crystal Palace, was a player coach when he won MLS Cup, and was on three went to three World Cups, won MLS Cup in 2011 with the LA Galaxy. Oh man! Now I'm just trying to think of coaches from this past <laughs> World Cup. No way, it's not Gareth South Southgate. <laughs> that would be the most outrageous thing ever. Nope. But in one of the pictures when I was looking this up, there's a picture of David Beckham and him like passing the armband between each other <laughs> for a game for the Galaxy. Oh man, I don't know. I'm stumped on this one. I don't. I don't. I have zero you people in my mind waving the waving I, the white flag. Yeah. Greg Berhalter. <laughs> no way. That played, is so stupid. Played for the <laughs> LA Galaxy. What? Yep. They let him coach and <laughs> that is ridiculous. I was going to say I was going to say one of the few people who MLS related who have both coached at and been to a World Cup, but I didn't know if that was too obvious. But that's yeah. crazy. Greg Berhalter. I I first of all I hate when teams let like there be player coaches. I think it's one of the stupidest things. And all of soccer, I think it's just ridiculous. But to let Greg Bearhalter be a player coach is just <laughs> that's even worse. Oh man, Greg Bearhalter had a solid career actually. Playing, he played in the Netherlands. He played for Crystal Palace for about a year, half season. Played in the Bundesliga for a while. So respect, Greg Bearhalter. I'm starting to feel like I should have picked some harder guys for you here. I did actually. I didn't do just past five years. I, I forgot our next game we're doing is just past five MLS Cup winners. Um, 
Okay. You ready for mine? I'm ready. First clue. I have played for, or I've played with Lawrence Olam, <laughs> Kai Kamara. Oh, gosh. David Akam and Sal Zizo. That could be... Can I like, get those again? <laughs> Lawrence Kai Olam. Ka- Kai Kamara doesn't help too much. Yeah. I played with Lawrence Olam, Kai Kamara, David Akam, and Sal Zizo. Sal Zizo is... Oh. Hmm. Am I... Kamar Lawrence. Wrong. I don't think he's won an MLS Cup, actually. But Next clue. I played with Olam. So I'm going to just tell you where they played with these guys at. So I, he played with Lawrence Olam at SKC. Kai Kamara at SKC. David Akam at Columbus. And Sal Zizo at the San Diego Loyal. <laughs> Jeez. Columbus was David Akam? Yeah. Man, so SKC, Columbus, to San Diego Loyal. <laughs> that's not your average career path there, is it? Oh, it is not. Oh, man. Well, and that's not his career path. That's just where he played with those guys at. Clubs he was a part of. Oh, man. So I'm thinking he won MLS Cup with... SKC, if I'm thinking about this correctly. It may be true. It may not. He may have won it with San Diego Loyal. Who knows? <laughs> Rip, <laughs> by the way. Um, or Columbus. Could be. I don't think David Akam <laughs> won, though, in Columbus. <laughs> oh, man. That is a stumper right there. Who's a striker? Who? This is tricky. I don't want to dwell on it too, too long. I can't even think of a player who's gone from Columbus to Kansas City. It feels like it should have <laughs> happened. It definitely did. Um, okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say something. Hit me with it. <laughs> is this player Icopara? No, can't think of anything. That is incorrect. This last clue will make it very obvious. Actually, I'll give you a, I'll give you a different clue that won't make it so obvious. Because as soon as I say this last clue, you'll know who it is immediately. I already know. This player is a goalkeeper. I'll give you that as like a secondary second clue. Ooh. Goalkeeper, you say? Goalkeeper. Narrows it down quite a bit. Is it John Bush? No. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know. You're very close. I'll give you the third hint. I subbed in for Tim Melia in the 2015 MLS playoffs. Oh, it's John Kempen, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, he played. He had a wild career path when I was looking that up, actually. He was like at SKC, went to Columbus, went to San Diego Loyal, went back to Columbus, went to San Diego Loyal, went to DC. Man can't make up his mind. Yeah, he's he's been all over the place. Um wow. Okay. 1 point to Jacob. Respect. 
John Kemp. And you said John Bush. As soon as you said John, I was like, <laughs> no way he got this. So, who am I? I have played in the Bundesliga, Premier League, and for five different MLS clubs. Wow. Five different MLS clubs, Premier League, and Bundesliga. I'm trying to think. So, immediately I think, like, Landon Donovan checks that, but he doesn't play it for five different clubs in MLS. Hmm. I want to say, like, I'm trying to think of just an obscure, like, role player, because I know you probably wouldn't pick some just, like, stud. Oh, man. Has Kai Kamara played? <laughs> played in the Prem. Yeah, that's... But the five different MLS clubs is the tough part because it's like that cuts out Kai. <laughs> yeah, it cuts out. It cuts. It, it's like a that's a big chunk of their career to have done that and also played in the Prem and the Bundesliga. It had to have been early on in their career. Um, I mean, seven of the he played seven years pretty much at one of those MLS clubs, and then got moved around after that yep sorry it's Mm. four mls clubs not four or five give me brad davis (laughs) (laughs) oh man i respect the guess but brad (laughs) davis did not play in the premier league (laughs) oh man the american beckham um no respect he was on the field during Landon Donovan's goal versus Algeria in the 2010 Ooh. World Cup. So, played in the Bundesliga, Premier League, and for four different MLS clubs. It was on the field for USA versus Algeria when Landon Donovan scored. Was it Carlos Bacanegra? Good guess, but no. Dang. And... I put this as a hint, but I'll give you I'll give you two more. He was born in Brazil, actually. Oh, but he played for the US. Played for the US. Born in Brazil. And he was on the field. Did he start that game or was he just on the field when it happened? I don't know if I think he was a sub, but I'm not mm. sure. So he was in the game. Yeah, he was a substitute, actually. I do know that. Because he checked in and he was at the field on this on the field at this moment. Oh man. Hmm. I'm trying to think who was on the field then. It was. I'll give you his career around. path too. All right. Or at least his MLS career path. All right. New England Revolution. First MLS club. Okay. Sporting Kansas City. Okay. LAFC. Okay. Colorado. Back to Sporting Kansas City. So New England. Sporting Kansas sporting City to LAFC to Sporting to Colorado. Oh, to, to Colorado sporting. to Sporting. Only was at Colorado though. Made nine appearances. Then he was <laughs> traded midseason back to Sporting Kansas City, where he stayed for a year and a half. In his second oh, stint, man. Oh man, this is tough. I'm trying. There's like just obscure SKC players I can think of, but I'm trying to think of like 
who was on the field for that game, though. You're going to be upset when you hear this one if you if you don't get it. Oh, man. I know Bradley was on the field then, but he doesn't count. He wasn't born in Brazil. <laughs> hasn't taking, played for... taking account, though, MLS Cup wins, if I give you those teams, Sporting, LAFC, Colorado, and Sporting Kansas City again, that should narrow down who won an MLS Cup at that point. It's cra- the He had to have been really young in that World Cup if he played... If he played at LAFC, I don't know. That's oh, man, this is tough. I, I don't want to like dwell on it too long and make this boring to listen to. But I can't, I can't think of anything else. He played with LAFC. Yep, their expansion For season a year. So expansion it was year. 2011 to 12 at Sporting Kansas City. 2013 to 17, or sorry, 2011 12 New England Revolution. 2013 to 17 Sporting Kansas City, 2018 LAFC, 2019 Colorado, and then in 2019 he transferred to Sporting Kansas City, where he played until 2020 and retired. Man, and Bundesliga and Premier League is like Hamburger and Derby County. That makes it so hard. Derby County in the Prim. He's currently a while ago. He is currently a coach. Played for the U.S. from 2007 to 2017. Scored a banger in the Azteca back in the day. (laughs) This is hard, man. I don't know. Coaches in MLS Next Pro at Sporting Kansas City. (laughs) I have no clue, dude. I want to say I'm just going to throw a name out there that's incorrect, but Fabian Johnson. (laughs) The German respect. <laughs> he was Benny Failhaber. What? Benny Failhaber. That guy was born in Brazil. He was born in Brazil. His father is a. I didn't even know he went to LAFC. They got him in the expansion draft. Man, that guy sucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought it was pretty good actually, but okay, never mind. Oh man. <laughs> Jeez, man, that was hard. <laughs> I thought that was a, I thought a mid, I thought he was a solid mid 2010s MLS name to to pick from because he won the 2013 MLS Cup. That was the yeah, MLS Cup I was talking SKC. about. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. He's not like a super memorable MLS guy though. I would say, I I would, he's probably gonna be remembered the same as like Bedoya. Like, you could probably do this in like five years about like <laughs> same thing for like Bedoya, especially if he doesn't get like. His contract picked up at Philly, and he goes to, like, Vancouver. He ends up going to, like, three different MLS teams now. Then then he ends up back in Philly for, like, half a year and retires. Yeah. Yep, I could see it. All right, I'm going to hit you with this next one. I played with Darlington Nagby, Sean Johnson, and Ishmele Tajori Shroudy. Matthias Almondson. This is not his name, but you got it right. <laughs> Malte. Malte. Malte, Malte Almondson, yeah. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that was, well, I lost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm throwing other? it back to like 2008 next time, man. <laughs> Screw this. 
for you listeners, we were talking about a different game, and I mentioned going back five years, <laughs> and I guess we didn't clarify whether we're doing that for this game as well. What was your other hints, though? Uh, his first ever trophy was the 2018 Mesterfinalen, the Norwegian <laughs> Super Cup. I feel like that would have kind of been a good hint because it's Norway. Uh, he's made 78 appearances in MLS, won two MLS Cups, and scored three goals and two assists. And is just an MLS. That's three goals and two assists. <laughs> thought you meant ever. Um, okay. <laughs> Actually, I think that is ever. Yeah, I think that is like across his whole career because I don't think he scored or assisted when he was in Norway. <clears throat> All right, I see you. Who am I? MLS Cup edition, number three. <laughs> I played against Real Madrid in the Champions League. Against Real Madrid. Against Real and Madrid. Has won, won an MLS, MLS Cup. Cup. Robbie Keane. It's not Robbie Keane. It's a good guess, though. Who am I? I played against Real Madrid in the Champions League, and I've won two MLS Cups. Robbie Keane. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Two specifically, no more, no less. Two MLS Cups, no more, no less. And he's played against Real Madrid in the Champions League. This is going to be some random, just obscure left back for like a (laughs) Danish Super League team or something. You'll know him. Oh, man. Against Real Madrid, won two MLS Cups. I don't know. I'm trying to think guys who've been in Europe and have come to MLS or vice versa. Won two MLS Cups and then went to, <laughs> went to Europe. <laughs> that rarely happens, actually. You never see that really happen. Like somebody be super successful and then like actually win trophies and then leave MLS after that. Almiron. I mean, yeah. I guess it, it'd be different if he stayed after winning a cup, though, and then leave. I don't know. True. Hmm. So I've got to think like a team that's won two or a player that's won two. This is hard, dude. My mind blanks every time we do this, and except for the one time we did like the Mexican-American players. <laughs> then I was like lights out for, <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> it was that League's Cup break, man. It, you were just I was locked invested. in. I was very locked in. Um, It's not Thierry Henry. He hasn't won an MLS Cup. Oh, man. It's not Landon Donovan. I don't think he played in the Champions League when he was over there. And he's won six MLS Cups. Do you want the year he played Real Madrid? That's going to be like 97 or something. 2013-14 Champions League campaign. Hector Herrera hasn't won anything in MLS, so you can't say him. For FC... I'm just going to give you more hints. FC Copenhagen. <laughs> so I was right. It wasn't random. It was Danish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So it's a, some obscure, most likely Danish guys come to the league and won. Won a couple cups and is now. Hmm. I won't say. Danish guy who's won. I can't even think, dude. I don't know. I'm trying I'm a, I'm assuming it's going to be like a random like defender 
who plays in the East Eastern Conference. He came to MLS from Copenhagen. Played three and a half years, then went to USL, <laughs> then came back to U- MLS, won another MLS Cup, and played for another couple years. <laughs> what? What a stupid career path. Went to USL and then came back? For about half a season, he was in the USL. Oh, uh, man. I have no clue. Won two MLS Cups in the city of Columbus. So he won both with, oh, in Columbus. Won two MLS Cups So in one of Columbus. them has to be for Columbus, the other one for Timbers then? At Map Frey Stadium. Oh, man. What? Who went to... He started for one of the teams and didn't make an appearance in the final the other time. Is it? No way. It's not Adi, is it? Fernando Adi. Really? Played. Was he on their roster that year? Yeah. 2020, he won the MLS Cup with Columbus Crew. Really? Did he even make an appearance for them? He made an appearance. So, you know, peculiar case that Fernando Adi. So, played for Copenhagen. Went on loan to Timbers, was successful, but before that, played against Real Madrid, that same Champions League campaign, right? Weird. Transfers to Portland. They purchase him outright. And from 2014 to mid-summer 2018, gets the move to FC Cincinnati, who was joining MLS the following year, but was currently in USL. So Fernando Adi played in USL for a little bit. Played at Cincinnati the next season, 2019. Only 12 appearances overall for Cincinnati from 2018 to 2019. He had a lot of injury struggles then. Tough time. (laughs) Some off-the-field issues as well (laughs) that we won't mention on here. But good dude overall. Didn't really work out for him. He crosses the rivalry. Goes to Columbus Crew in 2020. Makes 11 appearances didn't win, didn't didn't score, sorry, but wins MLS Cup. Then he goes to Minnesota, 10 appearances, one goal. And now he's a, he's like an academy coach at Minnesota United. Weird. Very weird. I didn't I had no clue. Respect to Fernando Adi on my Timbers Mount Rushmore. All right. I got one last one for you then. You've already won. But I'm gonna I'm gonna quiz you anyways and hope that this one you don't get on the first freaking clue. <laughs> Alright, who am I? I've got a fat list of players here. I have played with Foster Langsdorf. <laughs> you remember that guy? Oh yeah, man. Fernando Adi, Tyler Miller, Amro Tarek, Chris Schuler. You remember him? Chris Schuler, the center back. PC. <laughs> Will Johnson. Dom Dwyer. Darlington Nagby. And Malte Amundsen. That is a list right there. Jeez. <laughs> You've got a lot in here, and I try to do the same as well when I have like three players, but 
that can like overlap and play at a few different spots you have like all of these could have like overlapped at some point foster langsdorf that's the Fernando one that throws Adi, you off <laughs> tyler miller all minnesota at one point hemro Turek, i feel like could have been anywhere chris schuler i know played for rsl back in the day i have no idea where he ended up <laughs> pc He's kind of a journeyman of the league i think towards the end of his career <laughs> Will Johnson, Dwyer, PC, Orlando, Nagby, and Almondson, you would think crew, but maybe there's some overlap with Portland. That's a heck of a list. So Minnesota hasn't won an MLS Cup. Austin with Amro Turek definitely didn't. <laughs> but I want to say Turek played at Orlando. I, I, I could be mistaken. Oh, man. <laughs> Nagby and Albinson. So who's somebody who played at NYC and just bounced around at or <laughs> wherever? Or Columbus. There's a most of those guys have been on a team that have like, won the league. Not necessarily that they were on the team when it won, but they've been at a club who's won in recent Yeah. Who have won around the, the MLS Cup. Oh boy. Am I See, this is another tough one cuz yeah, I don't want to just sit here and just think <laughs> like blindly with just the static in my ears, yeah. right? It is a tough one. It is cuz a lot of these names, like, they stand out to you for, like, the team that you think of them playing at, but they've also, like, had a random offshoot, like, year somewhere else, too. So it doesn't make it easy. That's why I, I flooded you with names here. <laughs> Am I... Jeez. Doesn't make sense, but he's Malachar Jory Shottery. Shottery? <laughs> That is incorrect. I have scored 69 goals and have played for three MLS teams. I have cost a total of $3.4 million across my career. So all of his transfers combined have cost that amount. And that is it. I know it. It's Kevin Molino, isn't it? (laughs) That is it. (laughs) It just clicked with me. Because he was a big transfer when he moved from Orlando to Minnesota. That was a... Uh, I think the most money he cost was when Columbus picked him up, maybe. Was it really? Hmm. At least that's what Transfer Mark said, but it may have been off by a year. Yeah, it was like a $2 million transfer was his biggest one. Dang. Which is kind of crazy for an in like an interleague transfer. Yeah, for sure. Nagby, I was looking, when he moved from Portland to Atlanta, was only about up to a million in GAM. And that was like a huge transfer at the time. All right, I got... I got one more if you want to do it. I I, I got another one. one of a guy who didn't win MLS, but I was pretty proud. <laughs> MLS runner-up. He was an MLS runner-up. In the spirit of LAFC, we'll do that one. <laughs> but right. first, who am I? I played with Thierry Henry, Nat Borchers, and Steve Birnbaum. <laughs> Thierry Henry. So had to have been Red Bulls. Didn't win a cup there. Nat Borchers. Had to have won it at Timbers because he didn't win a cup with RSL. And Steve Birnbaum. So, like, DC and another crap team. 
So it had to have been somebody who's won it with the Timbers, I'm guessing. Because I don't... Steve Birnbaum's probably won it. I don't know where else he's gone. But I feel like he has a cup under his belt. Man. So a guy who's played at New York Red Bulls and has also played with the Timbers from like... I guess not because he didn't have to have won it with the Timbers and Borges was there. So it could have been an RSL guy. Hmm. RSL or Timbers, New York Red Bulls, and DC United. And he won he won the cup or he was like on the roster when the team won the cup. He won an MLS Cup. Damn. Well, he was on the roster. I don't know. Give me Sal Zizo. Not Sal Zizo. But dang. A lot of Sal Zizo mentions on the pod. I feel like he was, I don't know if he was still on the roster for Timbers when they won, but I think I don't, he was like somewhere I think he was at, in the league. I think he was gone at that point. I think he was at Red Bulls at that point, so mm-hmm. not a bad guess. Next clue. Won the 2009 MLS Cup with RSL. Oh, okay. I didn't think that they'd won the cup while Borchers was there. Okay, so they he was at RSL when they won. So it's, gonna, it's some old head MLS player. Who also went and played for New York not too long after that. Hmm. Give me... Actually, I don't know if he played at RSL. Give me Kenny Cooper. (laughs) Respect. I don't think he played at RSL, though. He did not play at RSL, unfortunately. But he was kind of all over the place, so... I want to go through this guy's career path. Oh, man. So, not the whole thing, but part of it. 2007, he signs with Real Salt Lake. Plays until 2008. So, two seasons there. RSL doesn't renew his contract. So, he goes to Venezuela to play. Plays five times for them that following season. And then goes back to RSL, who didn't want to extend his contract like four months ago. <laughs> Resends with RSL in 2009 and wins MLS Cup in 2009. Stays until 2012 and then goes to the New York Red Bulls in 2013. He then only stays a year there and then after that goes to DC United for three years. Okay. So that is where he played with Burnbaum then. Okay, so RSL to Venezuela to RSL. And then he went to Red Bulls in 2013. Ended his career at DC after playing there for three years, or he's still he's just gone somewhere else now? Last stop in MLS. Hmm. So he left the league after that. Oh, man. This is... Kind of a dark arts MLS player. Classic 2010s, I guess. Okay. <laughs> apparently, so, well, not apparently, he was sued <laughs> by a former DC United goalkeeper. This former DC United goalkeeper named Charlie Horton was a backup. Sued Esp. <laughs> I said it. It was Fabian Espindola. Remember him? Yeah. 
<laughs> I wouldn't have guessed that, but yeah. <laughs> my next clue was he scored a brace in the Timbers on his Red Bulls debut. <laughs> um, this is just a wild story. He's also the one I was I was telling Chase. He scored a goal for RSL, and he went to do a backflip, but the f- the flag was up. His goal was ruled offside. This was way before VAR, so. The goal didn't count, but he wasn't looking. He was celebrating, and he did a backflip. And when he landed, he hurt his ankle, and he was out for eight weeks <laughs> for a goal that didn't count. But what I was saying was when he was at D.C., a goalkeeper there sued him and Ben Olsen, who was the coach at the time at D.C., <laughs> and Major League Soccer because apparently a spindola assaulted Horton during practice, and he got a concussion, this goalkeeper. And Dang. The filing of that, like, suit says he has severity of ongoing post-concussive neurological symptoms, which affected his ability to be continue his career, and he had to retire from soccer. (laughs) And he's suing Ben Olsen for failing to adequately supervise a spindola. (laughs) It it reminds me of, like, in, like, school, like, when teachers and stuff would talk about how like oh if you get hurt like i'm gonna get in trouble because i wasn't watching you properly (laughs) but ben olsen got in trouble for not watching properly i can't believe i've ruined that for for you (laughs) um i most likely would have never guessed that anyways that that dude was like a the south american stephen lenhart (laughs) would score these goals like and haunt teams but just was a not professional at all master of just getting under your skin and apparently fighting goalkeepers in training all right i got one more and uh i might need to redo the order of these because i think the first one you'll be able to guess who it is right away but i have played with stefan fry ryan johnson chad barrett and Robbie Finley. One more time. <laughs> I have played with Stefan Fry, Ryan Johnson, Chad Barrett, and Robbie Finley. <laughs> is am I Hercules Gomez? That is incorrect. He said MLS. This is an MLS runner up. <laughs> yeah, this is an MLS runner up. <laughs> In spirit of LAFC. Um, I'm trying to figure out which one of these clues won't give it away too fast. Do you want his career path or a, a hint about him? Like whatever you think would be less obvious, I guess. Okay. This might be kind of obvious, but we'll see. My career path is LDU Quito, Toronto FC, RSL, Toluca, and then Delphine. So he only played for two MLS clubs, and he went from Toronto to RSL. Chad Barrett? He played with Chad Barrett. So at Toronto, or... I know Stephen Fry was at Toronto, so I had to... That was like 2013... (laughs) Oh, I know who it is. I know who it is. The little man himself <laughs> was a Jao Plauta. <laughs> yeah, that's why my other my other hint was I am five two. 
but I would have given it away too easily, I think, if I just said that right off the bat. That's another guy who is just terrifying to play against, like watch your team play against. When he would just score and do that stupid like FIFA <laughs> stupid celebration dance. where he does like the luau guitar yeah, thing. I despised that guy. I hated Jao Jao Plata so much. Oh, oh man. man. Anyways, we got enough time to do the next one, or should we save it for the the next pod? Do we give to you? Do we give the people what they want? And they, <laughs> uh, a director's cut edition of uh, the MLS Net Boys show. We could we could save it for next time. Up to you though. Well, how Let's, many how how long has this podcast been? What are we running on right now? We're on two hours and ten minutes almost. <laughs> This is officially our longest podcast. Longest pod. <laughs> I say we save it. We save it next time. Fill up some another an hour. <laughs> but right. the who am I was extremely difficult this time. You were hitting me with some some OG names. Yeah. We'll make sure we have parameters more set <laughs> from the next I'm hitting you with like MLS originals next time. Be like Eddie Pope. Who was the <laughs> One of my hints will be like, I assisted Gio Savarese's fifth goal in MLS. Clint Mathis. It's <laughs> actually correct. <laughs> oh, man. It feels weird being done with the season, though. Like, I don't know. Just like <laughs> our draft, though. feels odd. Our next thing was going to be an MLS-related thing. It's going to be a week past MLS Cup. It's all right. We can throw it back. We can throw it back. Throw we it could, back we could maybe open up the parameters. Yeah, I guess a week. <laughs> We're already predicting next year's <laughs> MLS Cup winner. <laughs> We're all over the place with our timeline anyways. So, Oh, man. Well, thank you all for listening. You got anything else to say before we No, it took us good? 42 episodes to cover from start to finish the MLS season because we started like a week before. I think that first episode yeah. released a week before the regular season started. So. We've been doing this for almost a full year because we started like beginning or middle of January last year. We messed up the first like two times. <laughs> I think it was end of January. Yeah, we messed up. The first two episodes were just failed. We had to, <laughs> had to scrap them and then went for 42 episodes after that. It's been a journey. It has been. Well, thank you all for listening to the first season of MLS Net Boys Show. Uh, leave us a rating, find us on X, tweet at us, interact with us, send us an email. MLS Netboys on X and MLS Netboys at gmail.com. That is correct. Thank you all again. And as always, Keegan Hughes, come on the show.